what you do in a B-movie. The end is a little bit ridiculous. I was unsurprised to see that. And it's sweet! Oh my gosh, you guys need to go watch it. It's so good. It's so good. I want to watch it again. internet travelers and welcome once again to the before and after show i'm still your host mj smith i'm confused about what my guest is doing but uh if you've never listened to the show before welcome to an after episode and an after episode is where we have seen a film or group of films and we talk about them if you haven't listened to a before episode those episodes we take a film or group of films we haven't seen and we tell you what we think about they're going to be about. Um, so this week is an after episode, as I mentioned earlier, and I'm joined once again by the guest from the last episode, Mr. Jacob Heckathorn. Woo! Welcome back. Thank you. Thank you. Appreciate you having me. Yeah. Anytime, man. <clears throat> um, so last episode, we talked about our expectations for the Mad Max trilogy, as well as the new Mad Max film, Mad Max uh, Furry Road. Furry Road. Furry Road. Correct. And um, our expectations were kind of all over the place. I right. think, as far as the original trilogy is concerned, um, I think we, we were bad, good, bad. Yep. And then we were super stoked for the new one. Right. And so that's that's where we were on that. We thought the first one was going to be bad, the second one was going to be good, and the third one was going to be bad, and the fourth one was going to be super awesome. And we're going to get into whether or not we were accurate. We were, and uh, and and we'll break these films down for you as as the podcast goes on. So we'll go ahead and jump right into it. Um, first up is Mad Max, just Mad Max, the nineteen seventy nine exploitation classic, um, starring Mel Gibson, a twenty four year old Mel Gibson, and uh, very young. Yep, and it's it's a revenge thriller. So it's uh, it revolves around this cop named Max Rokotansky. Um, which is a sweet last name. Indeed. And he is on the MFP police force, uh, which kind of takes care of like a stretch of stretch of road that something happened, something or other. Right. I, They're like the high speed police force. Or something. Right. So <clears throat> they, they're in charge of, of like keeping people safe on the road. And this group of, like motorcycle gang there's basically motorcycle gang, yeah there's motorcycle gangsters terrorizing this town and as a result uh max's partner and eventually his wife and toddler son are murdered at the hand of this motorcycle gang so max goes crazy and becomes mad as the title suggests and kills the motorcycle gang back so it's it's a revenge thriller from the 1970s and it sounds pretty standard when we talk about it right but there's a couple little twists on that genre that I'd like to talk about. Um, the first one being that it's set kind of on the cusp of the apocalypse. Right. So w- they could have just made it like 1970s Australia, right. like most of those 1970s New York movies are. But they decided to make it on the edge of like societal decay. Right. And I thought that was an interesting choice. I thought another interesting choice was... 
you spend a lot of time with the people who die in this movie. Agreed. Um, which I thought was effective for a good chunk of it, and then eventually it lost me. Yeah. Um, I feel like these people stayed alive a little too long um, for, the, for this type of movie. But I also understand what he was going for. So what were your overall thoughts on uh, Mad Max 1? <clears throat> well, I thought uh, that it dragged out. That Miller kind of tried to build up expectations for like this huge climax at the end. Which, was, which proved effective. But um, I just didn't find this whole like because it was a revenge movie for but for both parties. So like the the main gangster dude Toe Cutter, mm-hmm. weird name. Yeah, they didn't even go and they didn't even investigate why he was named Toe Cutter. Whatever. Yeah. Um. Probably because he cuts toes. That's yeah. Right. Probably. And uh, he basically is trying to ruin the police force's lives who killed his friend. The Night Rider, which oh, was the guy the, that died in the beginning. Yeah, that's right. I forgot right. about that. Yeah, it just didn't make any sense to me. I was like, eh. I guess they were like best friends or something, and that guy stole a rookie's police car, and like then yeah. he lost his wit because Max is like a beast of a driver. Yeah, He's like, let me put my gloves on. That character introduction. I want to talk about that because it was really cool. Like, yeah, I there's agree. there's this big intro about following the Night Rider who has stolen this car and and is chasing after it and the other cops are chasing after it and it's this whole setup to like the big character reveal of max and you like kind of see shots of him like putting his gloves on or just his boots or his reflection in a mirror and he's got his sunglasses on and he's sort of the last line of defense he's like the big guns that they call in so he's obviously well respected on the force and like a key player he's you know he's the anchor if you will of of that police force yeah because like the chief later you you see that the chief tried his hardest to keep him on like uh, he built that 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 awesome uh, Super Falcon. Yeah, yeah. Like with the giant supercharger. Yeah. On top of the car. That was cool. Yeah. But. Um, so this is a movie that is primarily about vehicular warfare. Right. Um, uh, that's a main three theme. That's a main theme throughout all four of these movies. I was going to say you could say three because there's three movies. <laughs> yep. Sounded cool at the time. Yep. Um, <laughs> so that, that's it, it. Plays a big part into it and. For as micro as the budget is, the car stunts are really, really good in yeah. this movie. Um, there's that opening scene in particular, going back to it. It's the scene where they drive through the RV and, and it that, just like explodes. Yeah. yeah. That, I found out that that van was actually George Miller's van. Whoa. One of, one of his vans. And that, um, well, most of these cars that were being driven around by the MFP mm-hmm. were, um, were all Ford Falcons. Yeah. They were yeah, all yeah. Ford Falcons. And the giant supercharger that was sitting on top of the Max's awesome ford falcon wasn't actually working they oh. were just there for show that makes sense um and uh they sold that car after the movie really yeah they sold it like wow and it ended up in some junkyard somewhere and george miller like went out there like somewhere in australia and found it and bought it for the second movie wow yeah i was like this is crazy that's awesome because i mean well now it's in a museum somewhere yeah for sure well, i don't know anymore that was that was i read that before I saw Fury Road, which I didn't know they were going to put. Anyways. Right. Yeah, we'll talk right. more about that later. Um, but yeah, I uh, definitely about vehicular warfare. And I got kudos to the old lady towards the end of the movie. Yes. Yeah. She was a beast. Yep. She was sweet. She was the only person who actually shot a gun. Yeah. Yep. So what did you think about Toe Cutter and his gang as a group of villains? I thought he was like 
everyone's obviously gone mentally. Like this guy loses a hand. Mm-hmm. Um, he wants his hand back, but he can still ride a motorcycle. Mm-hmm. It's like okay. Um, and uh, I don't know. I guess there was just like all kinds of loyalty to Toe Cutter, but like, as a leader, he was just kind of gone. I I didn't really understand like the gang's hierarchy or whatever. Oh, mm-hmm. because there was Toe Cutter, and then there was like his I forget that guy's name. He was like Slit or something. Like, oh yeah, yeah. Um, and he was like the go-to guy, Billy or whatever. Yeah, the the guy who ended up going crazy. Yeah, at the yeah, end yeah. of the movie. Um, and that movie was just kind of weird. I don't know. The, it, it was cool, but at the same time, there were some action scenes that I thought were hilarious. Like, yeah, like, like the eye-popping. Yeah, the eye-popping twice. Yep. Which, by the way, and we'll talk about this as it goes on, shows up in every single movie. Yeah. That f- one eye-popping scene from the first movie, I think, shows up in the other three as well. It for sure was in Fury Road, which cracked me up. Yeah. I thought uh, I, I looked over at you when I saw that. I was like, "Oh man!" Yeah, I just like I just shook my head. Like for real, they had to work it into this one too. Yeah. Um, but in in that first one, I think Toe Cutter and the gang are like really scary villains. Like they do some like really messed up stuff. And I, I agree. I, I watched this movie um, with my fiance, and she brought up the point that they reminded her of the Clockwork Orange gang. I Which I was like, oh yeah, and I believe George Miller is a gigantic Stanley Kubrick fan, and here's why: that gang acts a lot like um, the Clockwork Orange gang, just kind of terrorizing people and really committing a lot of rape. There's a lot of like right. implied rape in this movie, and there's one scene where they're. This is really strange, but uh, they're like basically molesting a blow up doll. Oh yeah, as, well, as a group I thought of people, it was a, a, a mannequin or a mannequin. Yeah. yeah, so so they have this new mannequin and they're like taking turns group molesting her, and it's super it's, weird. It's awkward. But there's this one guy that is wearing these heart shaped sunglasses, mm-hmm. and those heart shaped sunglasses are from the poster, and I think from a scene of a Stanley Kubrick movie called Lolita, which is an adaptation of a book about a teacher who ends up in a sexual relationship with like a 14 year old girl, and there's a scene in that movie where she's wearing those same hardship glasses. So I'm pretty sure George Miller is a huge Kubrick fan and he intentionally made those guys act like Kubrick characters. Interesting. Um, I don't have any proof of that right. aside from just their behavior and those sunglasses. Cause they're, that's a very specific type of sunglass I agree. to put on someone. Yeah. So I thought they were like really scary and brutal guys. Like even even though most of their brutality happens off screen, like it's pretty scary to watch. Like when they chase down that couple, and the implication is that they raped both of them. It's a guy and a girl. Yeah, it was just like wow, these guys are you know hardcore. Like yeah. it was like wrapped to a chain or something. Yeah, like, they like they like wrapped. chained her up, and like yeah. he was running around, and he didn't have pants on, and. And you could see, like, blood in between his butt cheeks. Like, it was it was crazy. I was like, whoa, all right, 1979. Yeah. Calm down. Um, so I think they were very effective villains. I actually thought the guy that played Toe Cutter was awesome. I thought he was a really, really good villain. He looked cool. Yeah. And I just like the way he played him, like, kind of unhinged. I like unhinged villains, I think, oh, okay. a lot. Um, yeah, he was definitely unhinged. Yeah. But as a movie, it's really slow. It's really slow, which is funny because we hit the 40-minute mark, and I looked at my fiancé, and I went, I really like the pacing of this movie because I feel like a lot has happened in these first 40 minutes. 
and then it stopped. Right. The movie stops until the end, and uh, I mean, the movie literally goes on a vacation. Like yeah. Max goes on a vacation with his wife, and that's yep. how the toe cutter catches up with them and ends up killing her. And Max goes mad, gets his revenge, and that's ten minutes. The yeah. entire revenge sequence is ten minutes, and it's the most interesting part of the movie. And I was like. This is why they kill these people earlier in these kinds of movies. Because if you go into a revenge movie, you want to see revenge. Yeah. That's it. So I don't think it really works as far as the type of movie it is supposed to be. I guess I agree. Because uh, I didn't like the whole vacation scene. Like, I got that they were showing, like, oh, look, this is, you know, they're still people. Like, Mm -hmm. you know, he wants to quit the force because he wants to spend more time with his family. He doesn't want to end up like his friend who's burnt to a crisp, you know, which they didn't even show. Mm-hmm. Like, that part was kind of weird. Like he they was didn't like, have the budget for right, it. He was really horrified. Weird. He was yeah. horrified when he lift up, like, lifted up the blanket to see his, like, his burnt partner. He was horrified. I imagine that guy would be dead. Yeah. But, yeah, I thought so, too. Yeah. So, one last thing I want to touch on, on on Mad Max before we move on to The Road Warrior so what did you think of this? I mean, this is Mel Gibson's second movie ever. Um, so what did you think of just watching a, an infant uh, Mel Gibson? Um, I thought he was... Well, he didn't really have that many lines. He didn't, yeah. have, he didn't talk that much, but uh, I thought he was all right. Uh, he displayed his emotions pretty well. Um, and uh, his accent was easy to pick up, but I could easily understand him. Yeah. And uh, IMDb talks about... Um, or is it Wikipedia? One or the other talk about um, how he went in to the um, audition um, just to support his friend who, who ended up playing the um, the his friend who died. Oh, the partner. Yeah, the partner. Um, or got burnt to death or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, he ended up going there just to support him because Matt, uh, Mel, Mel had gotten in a, a fight the night before. And I was like all black and bruised. He was all beat up. Mm-hmm. And the director was like, oh, we like you. We're going to put you as a star for this movie because uh, he's like, we need freaks. And he ended up healing like a week into the audition and oh. they just kept him. Huh. Anyway, so um, I definitely thought he was all right, man. He didn't he didn't do terrible. You know? Yeah. Like a lot of actors first time. I thought he was like pretty, pretty solid. Yeah. I think it was pretty consistent with the Mel Gibson we kind of know. Yeah. Um, you know, he's a little bit more unsure of himself and it shows through here and there. But yeah. besides that, he like kind of took to it really quickly um and and really easily it it just feels like a natural fit for him to be that character yeah so mad max ends with i think one of the most brutal like revenge things i've ever seen the hero get yeah that was cool yeah i really liked that a lot um he ends up chaining a guy to a truck an overturned truck that is leaking gasoline Sets up a timed uh, fuse on it. By and using, then, like, the fuel from the the gas lamp, or not lamp, but the headlight of, oh, the, yeah, of yeah. the truck. He, he fuels, like, dropping in it. And yeah. It's crazy, dude. Yeah, so he sets up a timed fuse, handcuffs this guy to the truck, hands him a hacksaw, and says, if you saw through the chain, it's going to take you ten minutes. If you saw through your foot, it'll probably be five. Right. And then leaves. And you just see an explosion. And you just see an explosion. And then Mad Max drives off into the wilds of Australia. Right. And that's how that movie ends. I thought it was a cool ending. I did like the ending a lot. I thought it ended a lot stronger than it began. Yep. Um, And 
two years later, three years later, two years later, 1981, two years later, um, Mad Max 2, the, Ro- the Road Warrior came out. Now, for decades after Mad Max came out, it held the world record for the most profitable movie ever made because it didn't cost that much to make and it made a lot of money. Yeah. So the percentage of, of profit that it made, it's not the highest grossing movie of all time. It didn't make as much money as like, you know, Avatar, I think is the the top one of all time. But it percentage-wise, as far as how much they spent versus how much profit they made off of it, it was the world record holder for, I think, a long time. It might even still be. I'm not too sure on that. Huh. So two years later, we got the sequel, Mad Max 2, uh, The Road Warrior, and we've now found ourselves in the apocalypse full on. Right. So the apocalypse has happened. Max is jaded and cynical and, ma- and mad, <laughs> um, <laughs> as, as the title suggests, about this world he's inhabited, about what brought him into this world. Like, it was. Mad Max is an origin story. Mad Max 2, The Road Warrior, is a man railing against his own origin. Right. And he's reluctant to help people now. And that's that's a theme that happens throughout the course of the rest of the movies. Um, and he's he's reluctant to help people, and he finds out about this town that has a uh, an entire tanker full of gas. Gas is a commodity now. And uh, he meets up with, with this guy. The gyrocopter captain. Yeah, yeah. The, gyro the gyro pilot. Yeah, there you go, gyro pilot. There you yeah. Go. And... He's like, I have this flying machine, but I need help, and I know where gas is. And Max kind of doesn't really do people um, at this point. He he's like, all right, well, show me where the gas is. That guy was all, ay 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 ay. Did that like twice. And uh, he shows him where the gas is. It's in this town. Now this town is being terrorized by a brand new motorcycle gang. And I really like the intro to the to the Road Warrior. The the like. How it gave us kind of a background about how, like, the, yeah, like, it starts oil. with a voiceover, right. like, that... voiceover of like how oil, how like the oil prices and all that stuff kind of caused this apocalypse. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, then you see Max being chased by some, you know, motorcycle gang or whatever. Yeah, he turns the supercharger on and just books it. It's yeah. just gone. And uh, he was running low on gas or whatever, and. Uh, I thought it was just kind of a cool way to show uh, how crazy people are because that guy, that like the villain, got shot by like a crossbow or something through oh, yeah. Max's car, and he ends up stopping and he's like staring at Max from like a couple yards away, and uh, he's like he just pulls out this arrow like it's nothing, yeah, he's, like, and he like screams because he's like happy. It was it was weird. Yeah, that guy was totally weird. Yeah, um, I want to talk about him a little bit later. <laughs> but, so. Uh, I, I just like the, the intro, and I was yeah. like, "This okay, now I know we're in an apocalypse, and I know why. Cool. Yeah. Like, let's continue. Yep. I was like, all right, all right I'm, I'm enjoying this. Time. It was yeah. just much better. It I felt is... like the beginning of the movie was so much better. I was like, yeah. okay, I want to watch this now. Yeah, it's overall a better movie, I Thank think, you. all the way around. So, a reluctant Max ends up helping this town fight off this motorcycle gang. That's kind of it, as far as it's pretty light on plot. Yeah. Um, and, and that's, I mean, that's really it. There's not really even a lot of character beats. It's just like, here's a story. And this town is terrorized by an S&M gang or something. Because as you said, there's this guy who's 
the leader of this motorcycle gang, but they're part of a larger gang of people. Right. That's led by this guy in full-on bondage gear. Right. He's like, I called him Arnold Voorhees. Because <laughs> he's like, bring us the fuel and we will let you live or something. Yeah. Yep. His name is Humongous. That's ah, that yeah, character's that's right. that's name. Right. Yeah, so it's just Max, like, kind of regaining his passion for, or not even passion, but his, like, humanity in order to help people through something serious. He interacts with these people in this town, feels empathy for them, and decides to help them by driving this big tanker of gas out of town for them to a safe location. That all takes about an hour and ten minutes. Movie's like an hour thirty-seven. The last 20 minutes of this movie is one long car chase. Yep. And it is sick. That's it's cool. really good. Uh, this movie ends on a fantastic car chase sequence that had never really done before, been done before. And it earned... That movie is at 98% on Rotten Tomatoes. Is it really? Yeah. I didn't know... I, I Wow. Yep. <laughs> and it's mainly because of that car chase sequence. And this movie was came out in 1981, which is the same year Raiders of the Lost Ark came out. Yep. So those were kind of the big action juggernauts of the time. And I don't know. I liked this movie a lot. So did I. I liked it a lot. Especially, I could watch this one again. Yeah, I think so too. A couple days after, I, I was like, that was okay. And then a couple days after, I was like, no, I think I really, really liked it. Yeah, that's how I felt too. Everything is just so much better in this one. I don't know. There were some things I definitely didn't like. Right. So, there's, so there, back to this leader of the motorcycle gang. Uh, you have some issues with this guy. Yes, I do. Specifically, his, his outfit. Yes. He wears <laughs> these chaps, which happen to be assless. Yep. Like, through the whole movie. And he has, like, a partner riding on the back of his motorcycle with mm-hmm. him that has cutouts for his nipples. And it's yes. just awkward. Yeah. And, like, that guy dies. I mean, the way that guy died, by the way... Was Do you remember? so sweet. It was ridiculous. So. <laughs> so throughout the movie, there's this feral child, and that's the name of that character is Feral Child, who lives in a series of tunnels underneath the city that is t- home to all this gasoline. He has a boomerang, and he's really good at throwing it. <laughs> and this motorcycle gang leader's partner gets all uppity and the child throws this boomerang and it does what a boomerang does and it comes back and it hits the second in command guy's head and it's freaking ridiculous because this this boomerang embeds itself like three quarters of the way through this guy's skull right and the next shot is the leader of the motorcycle gang trying to pull the boomerang out and it's like the floppiest prosthetic I've ever seen. Like you can watch the rubber yep. move around and it just looks so dumb. But it was hilarious. Yep. The guy and the other guy got his fingers chopped off. So then in a fit of rage, the motorcycle guy <laughs> throws the boomerang and it does what a boomerang does. And this one guy goes to catch it and his fingers get chopped off. <laughs> now when his fingers get chopped off, the sound effect they chose was that of porcelain breaking. For some reason. <laughs> yeah, oh man. It just, Great. it was like Great. someone took a porcelain jar and just smashed it on the ground. And that was the sound effect they used for this man's fingers getting chopped off by mm-hmm. a razor sharp boomerang. I like the visual effect they used for the kid catching the boomerang again. Like, I, I think they showed him throwing it. 
uh-huh. then they just re- reversed re- it. Yeah, I didn't notice it. that. And he's like, hurry. And he catches it. <laughs> it looks exactly like they just reversed. I'm sure scene. they did. That has to be yeah, why. Because he was like, just like a little lion kid. Yeah. Yeah. He just communicates through grunts. Yep. And uh, so, so I mean, really light on story. Like, there's not a, there's not really a lot to say about this movie. I, I thought it was a cool action flick. Yeah. And uh, I like how Max kind of, like, still has, like, a spot in his heart or something for that kid, you know? Mm-hmm. That kid doesn't talk or anything, and he's like, oh, get out of here. And, like, he gives him that little... The music box. The music box thing. And, and uh, that kid wanted to go with Max when he left the town, which... He ended up going with them anyways. Yeah. But that Mohawk assless chaps guy just doesn't die. Yeah. Ever. Yep. Like, he does eventually. But. Yeah. So there's this car chase that happens, and Max is driving this tanker full of gas out of town, and the motorcycle gang gives pursuit, and, I mean, just crazy stunts, and, like, for 1981, it was just insane. Like, uh, my roommate and I recently went through all the James Bond movies, and... I had the same feeling watching that movie that I did when we were watching those older James Bond movies, which is, how did no one die? Right. Because it was 1981, and the safety regulations imposed back then were not as strict as they are now, nor did we have the quality of safety equipment that we have now. I agree. And I, there are some stunts in this movie that are just insane, like people jumping around cars and off of cars onto other cars and... I mean, vehicles getting smashed under big rig tires yeah, and exploding. And, I mean, there's a lot going on in this last 20 minutes, and it's cool. awesome. So this uh, tanker eventually gets de- derailed. It's not on rails. It gets... Uh, it loses... He loses control of it and right. ends up... Uh, <laughs> it's not on rails. It ends up flipping on its side. And this uh, substance starts coming out of the gas tanker that is not gas. Right. And for some reason, in my brain, I thought, well, maybe they just didn't feel like they didn't have the budget for gas to be pouring out of that. I I was like, okay, so there was, I thought there never was any gas. I thought that as well. Okay, I was like, there never was any gas, and they didn't tell Max. Yeah. But at the same time, he drove his car out, and it was fueled up. Remember? Yeah, they gave him a bunch of gas yeah. to go track them down. So, I, 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 yeah, I thought they hadn't told him any, that there was any gas, and I was like, what a depressing ending, because he just went through all kinds of hell to get this gas safe, and now, not only is it spilling everywhere, it's not even gas! Right. And there's a dog dying in this movie. Oh, yeah. If you're sensitive to dog dies. Yes. Dog dies? Dog deaths. <laughs> dog deaths. <laughs> to recover from that one. <laughs> If uh, if you're sensitive to dogs dying, or dog deaths, or dog dies, or dog days are over by Florence and the Machine, maybe don't watch this movie. I just realized they his car blew up. Yeah, because there was a there's a bomb mechanism mm-hmm. on the bottom of it. Mm-hmm. How was it in the third one? It's not on the third one. I feel like it is. I think that it is. He has a car in the third one, but it's not his. It's not the Falcon. Are you sure? I'm pretty sure. No, because he has the Falcon and Fury Road. He does have the Fu- Falcon and Fury Road. Although I haven't finished the third one, but we'll get to that in a second. <laughs> oh my god. Okay, I know what I'm talking about then. Okay. All right. It's in there. Okay. So, um, 
Oh, so that's when it's revealed that while Max was taking this tanker of gas out, they had actually emptied the entire tanker into barrels and put them on buses and sent the rest of the town off to start a new colony with all the gas. And it's also revealed that the feral child has been narrating this movie the entire time. He's right. the guy who did the voiceover at the beginning. Right. And then the movie's over. Like, it just kind of ends right there. It doesn't really... I don't know. One of the things I liked about this movie is that it didn't really overstay its welcome. It's an hour and 37 minutes, and it's just like, here's the plot, here's a car chase, boom, we're out. Yep. Drop the mic. Drop the mic. Four years later, Mad Max 2 makes enough money to garner a third one. Now, we're in 1985 now, and, and a lot of tropes of the 80s have been well established. So we get Mad Max Beyond the Thunderdome, starring Mel Gibson once again. And Tina Turner. Who I feel like shouldn't even have been like one of the main characters on the bill. Because yeah. she was only in the movie, I think, for like a total of like 20 minutes FaceTime. Yeah. Yep. Tops. Yep. I agree. So this movie started out and I was like, I hate this already. Because it starts out with a Tina Turner song for no reason other than Tina was in the movie. Immediately it sets up, this is just so we can have Tina Turner in a movie. It's, uh, it's now even further into the apocalypse than we've seen uh, before, and Max is... He's in the desert. He's in the he, desert. He's in the desert, and he has these camels, and here comes the, the gyro, gyro, gyro captain, yeah. pilot, or whatever, but he's not driving, or driving, he's not driving a gyro. Yep. He's not flying a gyro, he's flying an airplane with his apparent son, Yeah, and they basically... Rob Max. I don't think they knew that that was Max, and I don't yeah. think Max knew that that was him. Yeah. I don't even know that they are the same characters. I, yeah. You said they are. I don't know though, because I've I read after we had that conversation, I read that they might not be. Right. See, because they didn't name him in mm -hmm. in, in uh, the Road, Road Warrior. Warrior. Road yeah. Warrior, but they did name him in this one. Okay. And I don't remember what his name is, so mm -hmm. don't ask me. But. IMDB, you know, was his name. Um, anyways, uh, I just like, I, I knew this movie was going to be bad from just the intro. I was like, yeah. okay. Yep. Because no. this intro doesn't feel original. It nope. feels like an Indiana Jones movie. As soon as it opened, I was like, oh crap, we're two Indiana Jones movies in now. Yep. And it looks like an Indiana Jones movie. Starts like an Indiana Jones movie. The stakes are the exact same as they would be in an Indiana Jones movie. It's an Indiana Jones movie. It feels just like that too man yep. like you yep. haven't finished it but the ending gets ridiculous really like the ending was the coolest part of that movie okay um so he ends up finding his way to a town called barter town which is this new civilization that's kind of started to crop up now that everyone's kind of accepted their fate at, in the apocalypse it has electricity, it has kind of an ecosystem, not an ecosystem, uh, kind of an economy. Right. Um, there's kind of normalcy going on. There's a little bit of weird stuff happening in the background, and people are still in S&M gear and stuff. Like water has radiation in it. Like yeah. You see Max kind of use like a dosimeter or something. He's like... Geiger counter. There you go. Yep. Yeah. And so it's... it's we're starting to come back is, is the vibe you are supposed to get when we enter Barter Town. Very soon after that, we realized not everything is as it seems in Bartertown. The source of power for Bartertown is pig poop. Methane. AKA. Methane. Right. Yeah. That is harvested from pig poop. 
and Tina Turner is the ruler of this town. Um, I thought at the time. That's yes. what I thought. That's yep. what they want us to believe. Mm-hmm. But... Now, she plays a character named Anti-Entity. I thought it was Ant-Entity. Entity. Whatever. Ant-Entity? Anyway, <laughs> they never say. call her that over the course of the movie. They mm-hmm. just call her Ant or Auntie. Yep. So, she reveals to Max that he is... Chose, she has chosen him to go and fight this man who is actually two men. It is a dwarf on the back of a giant strongman named Master Blaster. The dwarf is named Master. The giant strongman is named Blaster. Together they are Master Blaster. And he is actually in charge of the town and he is all too powerful and she wants to... Max to be part of his power play to take the power away from Master and Blaster, a.k.a. Master Blaster. I like the part where they're taking all of Max's guns before he can go meet mm-hmm. Ant Entity, and he has, like, all these guns. Like he has ten. Rip, dude. It was hilarious. He has ten. And he kept the fly swatter. Yep. That was cool. When they go to meet Tina Turner for the first time, there's a blind Asian man playing the saxophone. And he's playing the saxophone only for the reason that his wife plays the saxophone in the first movie. It's the same song. It is, isn't it? Yeah. Interesting. Yep. So he meets Tina Turner. He's already reminded of his wife. She offers him fruit and water. Uh, he gets attacked. She He disposes of her goons pretty easily. And she goes, I want you to kill Master and Blaster so that I can assume control of the town. So he goes to work in the pig poop farm for Master and Blaster. They have his car there. And they're, he's got the same bomb mechanism that he had in the Road Warrior. They try to disarm it. He's like, you wouldn't. Don't do that. I'm the only one who knows how to do that. And so they try to convince him to do it. And I think they eventually do through intimidation or something. But then I think they do. Wait, who do they get to disarm it? They get Max to do it. That's right. That's right. Okay, yeah. Because like Blaster holds him up and is like choking him or whatever. Right. You disarm mom. (laughs) Yep. (laughs) Okay. Yep. So then we learn about the Thunderdome that is mentioned in the title for no reason. Nope. Because Thunderdome is in a total of one scene in this movie, as far as I know. And the Thunderdome is how Bartertown resolves its disputes. Rather than having a legal system, they just make two men fight to the death in a an American Gladiator-style deathmatch. Right. And Mel Gibson, uh, Mad Max, picks a fight with Blaster, and they go to settle it in the Thunderdome. They do that per Auntie's request. Right. Because she wanted something to do... She wanted control like complete control over master i guess because he was really smart right yeah because he's like super brainy right and although his speech doesn't show that to me yeah he talks like a caveman yes look he is child (laughs) um so blaster and max enter the thunderdome and i want to take a second and talk about the referee in thunderdome because what the hell (laughs) (laughs) it's this guy who looks like he looks like a real life version of the mayor of halloween town i guess i could see that and 
and he intros <laughs> Thunderdome by going, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, it's dying time. What? Yeah. What? That's a line in this movie. I know you won't break the rules. Then he he explains the rules to the men, which is that there are no rules, by saying, do you want to say it? I know you won't break the rules, because there are none. Oh my gosh. Stupid. I hated everything about that guy. Also, this movie predicted hashtags, because Thunderdome for sure has its own hashtag, and that hashtag is hashtag two men enter, one man leaves. Yep. And we know that's the hashtag of Thunderdome, because the entire crowd starts chanting it, the entirety of the fight between Max and Blaster. Yep. So Max and Blaster have this fight that's really long. Really long. I thought it was a cool fight. And There's like chainsaws and stuff. Yeah, he cool. goes and gets a chainsaw and like they're on elastic things that like they can fly around the freaking cage match. And he ends up knocking Blaster's helmet off and it's revealed that he is mentally handicapped in some capacity. We read an article that said he had Down syndrome, right. but I didn't really get that. I wasn't, it wasn't like, oh, reveal. The guy has Down syndrome. I was like, oh, he's just kind of a big dummy. That's yeah. That's what I thought. I was yeah. like, okay. So he sees that this man is mentally handicapped and is like, I'm not killing a mentally handicapped person because that would be really freaking mean. <laughs> and they're like, boo, and shoot the guy with a crossbow and he dies. Yep. So then Max is like, well, that's fine. You know, I mean, I didn't do it, but that's on you now, basically. And then the whole crowd starts to cheer. One man enters. Two men enter, one man leaves. Whatever. See, I can't even say it right. Yeah. Two men enter, one man leaves. And you see, like, Master, he's, like, all sad. No, no, child. <laughs> it reminds me of Alpha from Power Rangers. Oh, my gosh, yeah. Maybe You're he right. is Alpha from Power Maybe. Rangers. Maybe. That might be the same guy. Yeah, because he sounds like him. Yeah. So... At this point, it seems like movie almost over. There's going to be a power struggle between Max and the Queen uh, Ant Ant Entity. Nope. There, for some reason, there's like a spin the wheel yeah. challenge. So the way, if you break the law and you haven't started a fight with another member of Barter Town, you've just stolen or, for example, gotten a speeding ticket, even though there's not like a police force right, to enforce right. that. <laughs> um... You have to spin the wheel of punishment, which is stupid. Agreed. And he spins this wheel, and he's just like, no whammies, no whammies, no whammies. And then it says Gulag, so they banish him to the desert. And while they banish him to the desert, they put a giant... Like Bob's big boy almost. Bob's big boy thing over his head. For some reason, I don't understand. Not explained. No. It's not explained no, at all. it's not. So... Then he just, like, gives up in the desert. Yep. Like, his horse falls into some sand, and then he falls into... His horse gets swallowed by the fastest quicksand I've ever seen. Like, at least Atreyu's horse in Never Ending Story had, like, a sad death. Like, yeah. this one was, like, so fast. Yep. It was the quickest quicksand. Yeah, it was so fast. I was like, good lord, they weren't kidding around with this quicksand. No. This irradiated quicksand ain't nothing to mess with. So a monkey saves his life. Yes, you're right. So a monkey saves Max's life. Isn't that like his pet monkey or something? Was it Max's pet monkey? I think it was. Okay. Oh no, I think it was that one prisoner, Jedediah. No, I think it was Jedediah's monkey. Oh, because you see the monkey throwing stuff out, 
Yeah. Um, oh, the, yeah, yeah. Um, Jedediah is the gyro yes, pilot. Yes, from, thank you. Okay. I remember his name now. Sorry, yeah. I should have prefaced with that. Yeah. Um, and you see the monkey throwing his stuff out of Max's, like, you know, wagon, I guess Got is what, what I'll call it. So I think it was either Jedediah's monkey or Max's monkey. Got it. Um, so he's saved by a monkey. Right. And he's taken to a tribe of Ewoks that are not furry and they're just children. But for all intents and purposes, they're just Ewoks. And they just scream to, like, communicate to each other. Um, it's this tribe of children who has grown up in this universe. So it's been, you know, they look like they're about as old as, like, 17 or 16 looks like to be the oldest two who were in, in charge. And they were born and grown up. Gr- they were born and grown up in the wasteland. So they don't know anything about the world that preceded what they know now. Right. And they mistake Max for a pilot for a sky raft, which Airplane. is a plane. And the plane is in the middle of the desert, and he's like, I'm not a pilot. And then they're like, Yes, you are. Captain Roberts. Yeah, something like that. Captain Roberts is what they were calling him. Yeah. The. Because it's a, it's a it's a boy and a girl who are in charge of this tribe, right? Right. The girl goes rogue, and she's just like, I'm going to leave for whatever reason. I kind of stopped paying attention because I didn't care because this movie's really kind of boring. Okay. So she's like, I'm going to leave and go to, like, find she someone. She wants to go find Tomorrowland. Is yeah, what, is yeah, what yeah. they're looking for. Yeah, Tomorrowland right. is apparently where they came from, where they right. flew from in the airplane. Right. And I guess Captain Roberts was the pilot of this airplane that flew them and, like... I'm guessing there was a crash landing. Yeah. And uh, they basically explain this whole story that the children do to Max. Mm-hmm. They explain the story to him and they um, use these like sticks to pretend to be televisions, I guess. And this woman, she decides to leave, the younger girl, she decides to leave with like half of the women from the tribe because Max is saying, no, it doesn't exist. That's not... He's like, you need to stay here. We're going to live here. Right. Period. Right. And, uh... Because it's a forested area. It's one of the last places that greenery exists. And there's, like, a, a pretty big water source there. And so he's like, you guys have basically found paradise. Why would you ever leave this? Right. It's it's this weird oasis in the middle of the desert. And so she tries to leave. And then Max punches a 17-year-old girl in the face. Yep. Knocked her out. Boom. Knocked her out. So in this movie, we have a man with Down syndrome getting shot to death by crossbows and a grown man punching teenage girls until they're knocked out. Yep. Uh, to kind of speed this along, they end up going... The the teenage girl ends up going to Barter Town and then... With half the tribe. Yeah. Or like with some of the people from the tribe and... Yeah, like you said, for speed's sake, let's yeah. just say this is what ends up happening. You haven't seen the movie. I'm going to tell you how it is. Right. So, okay. They end up going to Barter Town, and Max is like, crap, now i got to go save them. And then the 20-minute car chase happens again. So I haven't finished this movie because I got really bored. I started watching it at, late at night, and it hit 1 o'clock in the morning, and the car chase was just starting. And I was like, well, Road Warrior had a 20-minute car chase. I think I get it. And uh, I turned it off and meant to revisit it and just haven't. And so now you can take it over from here. Basically, uh, so you saw where they ran into Jedediah's... um, No. Okay. So they're driving out in the desert. Or no, they're running. They're running at this point. uh, Because the big train truck did get derailed. This one did get derailed. And um, what ends up happening is... They're running on the desert, and they see this little boy, uh, which is Jedediah's son, 
um, jump into this car trunk, which leads to like this, like this stash or this cachet of all this stuff that Jedediah has stolen mm-hmm. over the years. Which, his car was there. Oh, okay. Um, and uh, which doesn't make any sense because I thought it exploded. But anyway, yes, yeah, that doesn't make any so sense. So it's there, and they're like, "Oh, we need to go." So they all jump in this airplane, which I think is a different airplane that was in the beginning. Okay. And, like, this airplane can apparently hold, like, ten people, but it doesn't look like it. People are getting in the wings and stuff. It was weird. Oh. And uh, the airplane can't get up, so they dump stuff off of it, and then Max gets out. Okay. And all these people lift up in the air, and Max jumps on this car that Tina Turner is driving. Okay. And basically, the airplane gets away. Max gets in a car crash. He gets out, and... Auntie Entity goes up to him and she says, Raggedy Man, and just walks away. And that was the end of the movie. Whoa, really? Yes. Wow. She didn't kill him. He, You just see him standing there. And that was the end of the movie. And I was like, this is dumb. Okay. Tina Turner is the worst actress ever. She's really bad in this movie. No, like she's just like, listen to me. Listen to me. I don't want to listen to her. No. Because she's not... Man, she's bad. Conceiving. She's Con- so bad. Conceiving. She's she's, she's not able conceiving. to have children. She's not convincing. Yeah. <laughs> Can you please fix that? <laughs> yeah, part? I will. She's not convincing. Yeah, this movie's not good. Not good at all. I hate this movie. The car I... chase scene at the end wasn't even cool. Really? Yeah. It, it was mostly like a big joke. Like, you see the guys with the mohawk things, mm-hmm. like jumping, and he's like, whoa, whoa, and it reminded me of like a scene from Hook in Indiana Jones. It's mm-hmm. kind of like a big joke. And, uh, like, in the, they just repeated what happened in the second one. Yeah. George, I found out George Miller directed this action scene because his best friend died. Right. Um, so th- scouting for the movie. Right? That's important to note. This movie wasn't really directed by George Miller. He only directed the action sequences in this movie, which are, like, two. I'll give it one because I didn't like the fight sequence between the children and... The pigmen is what I'll call them. No, I was thinking the fight in the Thunderdome. And ah, the, okay, yes, okay. The yeah, fight in the Thunderdome. That was cool. And, yeah. Okay. Um, so George Miller only directed those two. There was a different director whose name escapes me that directed literally everything else, and now this movie's terrible. So, yeah, I mean, I think we're in agreement that this movie's not good. It got a 6.2 on, on IMDb. IMDb. Yeah. Yep. So Mad Max, or no, Mad Max Beyond Thunderdome, not good. Yeah. 30 years later. Mad Max Fury Road came out on May 15th, 2015. Yay! And uh, we've now seen it. And it is awesome! Yeah, I thought it was so cool. Man. It is really good. Um, there's not a lot of plot to get into. There's a big cult leader uh, who has a cult of people. And Morden Joe. Yep. They're all in Mordens is what they're called. And then yep. there's like your something and boys or whatever. The War Boys. War boys and then there's... Uh, Impostator or whatever. Furiosa. Imperator. Yeah, Imperator Furiosa. Furiosa. So, basically, uh, there's this guy named Emeritan Joe. He runs a cult. He's got a cult of war boys, which are a group of young men who are sick with radiation poisoning who fight on his behalf. And he's got them convinced that dying is almost like samurai, where, like, dying in battle is the highest honor. Right. And And you go to this heaven that... You go to Valhalla. Valhalla, yeah. And... Um, the, the story centers around um, his Imperator, Furiosa, is supposed to be taking a delivery of gasoline to another... Bullet farm and yeah. 
Uh, some other place I can't think of. Gasoline Town. Yeah. So she's taking these these fuel pods, is what they're called. Turns out she has actually taken these women that Emmert and Joe has been using as his wives to right. breed new people. Non-radioactive He's, people, I'm right, guessing. Right. She's smuggling them out of uh, this, this area. The Citadel. The Citadel. She's smuggling them out of the Citadel. And that's kind of it. Like... After that, Max has been kidnapped by the War Boys. Yeah, in the beginning of the movie, like you just see him get kidnapped. Right. Uh, Tom Hardy is Max now. Mal Gibson doesn't play Max. He looks good though. Yep. Um, and he's being used as a blood, blood bag. bag. So he's being used as he's a universal donor, and one of the War Boys is particularly radiation sick, and he needs uh, blood transfusion from Max. And uh, that's how Max ends up in the middle of all this. Because the war boys are going to war. And this particular war boy, Nux, I think is his name, decides he wants to ride into battle. And so they strap Max to the front of this car and go after Imperator Furiosa. And that's kind of it. I mean, after that, it's three car chases with like two 10-minute sequences of downtime in between it. And that's all. Yeah. And it's awesome. It's so good. There's like a truck with like... Giant drummers and guitarists. And yeah, there's speakers. like a blind guitarist with flame shooting out of his guitar. Yeah, so awesome. Man. Um, so this movie is 30 years in the making. George Miller's had 30 years to flesh this out. Technology's improved. Everything about this movie is beyond way more than anything the first three Absolutely. have accomplished. And I really think this is the movie he's been trying to make for 35 years, but it just it was out of his grasp. Right. And I was reading about this movie, and this movie has a complicated production history because it was supposed to come out in 2002. Really? I read that it's been in filming for like three years, and that was all right. that I read. So it was supposed to come out in 2002. No way. With Mel Gibson as Max. Wow. And then 9-11 happened. Ah, okay. And they were like, maybe don't make such an action-heavy movie. Like, people aren't really into, like, World War things right now. Um, and post-apocalyptic, you know, world's gone to hell type stuff. Then, it was supposed to come out in 2004 or 5. And Mel Gibson decided, I'm too old to play Max now. And he dropped out of playing Max. Then, it was supposed to come out in 2009. Whoa. They were like, we've recast the part. Here's your new Mad Max. It is none other than the Joker himself, Heath Ledger. No way. Then Heath Ledger died. Oh my gosh. Yeah. I didn't know. Man, all of this is new to me. I yep. didn't know this. So then they eventually get the part recast and it's Tom Hardy. They get him in. They film the movie in 2012. And then it just sits there for three years. It doesn't come out for three years. So if you watch this movie, it was filmed in 2012. And it was crazy. Like, I don't understand why. I have no idea what took so long for it to come out. Um, it, I mean, it was at a point, if you followed movie news at all, it became kind of a joke of a movie because people were just like, there's no way a movie that's gone through this much hell can be any kind of good. And uh, turns out they were wrong because this movie is dope. <laughs> and 
one of the things I thought was amazing about it is how little of a plot it really has mm-hmm. stretched to two hours and something, yeah. you know. Yeah, it's just over two hours. That's crazy, dude. But there's all these little things. That's one of the things I noticed, and I think it's one of the things that has benefited from having 30 years to be written. There's these really, really subtle things that do... They don't drive the plot forward, but they color in the world so nicely. There's this scene where... Um, where they get stuck in the mud where they get stuck mm. in the mud there's a scene where they get stuck in the mud and nux who is one of the war boys says oh it's uh, you know there's there's solid ground just beyond that thing and he points to a thing and he says it's, it's that thing and one of the wives says a tree and he right. goes right beyond that tree and for me that signals that he keeps the war boys uneducated so that they're just dumb expendable warriors and he educates the wives so that they're intelligent and he can give birth to intelligent offspring and that's what he wants out of his breeders and i was just like what a weird like what a a subtle subtle thing to to put in your movie and if you listen to the way the wives talk they have much bigger vocabularies than everyone else in the movie and they use these big big words one of them uses manifest destiny at yeah. some point. And I was like, what the hell? It caught me off guard. And then I realized, oh, he's educated them. And when he goes into the empty area where they uh, where they are, where they're supposed to be, there's desks in there where right. they're supposed to be studying and learning. And I was like, man, you just... Yeah. For for all the like bombastic action that's happening in this movie, there's a lot of like really tiny things in that movie. I guess you're right because there is even writing on the walls. Like mm-hmm. you and and no other scene in the movie do you see writing anywhere. Yeah, yeah, that's true. That's a good point. Yep. So it's I mean everything about that really like helps flesh this out, and to call this movie insane is almost an understatement. This movie is crazy town banana pants. Absolutely. And I loved every second of it. I thought it was great. I want to go watch it again. I do want to see it again. I feel like it's the only movie this summer that I'm going to want to see twice. Hmm. Um, I really want to see it again. Yes, so do I. And a lot of people, we saw it with a big group of people, and I also got some text messages that I want to read from um, former guest Michael Moray. Yeah, I read his thing. I read what he said. Yeah, Uh, we had a text conversation about it, and so we'll get to that in a second, but... Some of the people we saw it with, including my fiance Kristen, also a former guest, were ill-prepared to deal with the crazy right. that happened in this movie. Because it's pretty demented. Right. There's some stuff I didn't think I was going to see. Yeah. Like, I didn't know one of these women was going to be pregnant. Yeah. Uh, you know. Yeah. There's just crazy stuff happening in this yeah. movie. Yeah. But I think because we watched the first three, we were super primed to accept anything this movie threw at us. Absolutely. Because one of the things I want to talk about about the original three is there's really good escalation of the world. Right. In those movies. Like, each time we see Max, it's a worse it, it's a worse off situation than before, which makes sense if the entire globe is irradiated and it has this nuclear fallout going on. And this is just like... 30 years later, why would it not be this crazy, you know? I only had one problem with the movie. What's that? I only had one problem with the movie. And the problem I had was how Max kept having these flashbacks of the people that he couldn't save, right? Like uh-huh. what they, like what he said in the beginning. Um, I thought he had a son, which is what is revealed in the, in the beginning in the first movie. Mm-hmm. Who is this girl? Right, right. Who is this girl? Why, why is she, why is she a girl? 
Yeah. That's <laughs> yeah. all I'm trying to understand. I didn't understand that. I had a problem with that for this reason. Max, it starts off with a monologue or a narration from Max about how the world is and how he regrets all these lives he couldn't save. And he's given the opportunity to save the lives of the wives, and he's totally out for himself. He's super selfish about it. And I don't understand why, because he's regretting the fact that he couldn't save all these people, and now he's presented with the opportunity to save more people, and he's like, nah, I'm just looking to, I'm looking out for number one. And it's like, what? That's super inconsistent with the character you spent the first five minutes of the movie setting up. Super cool intro, too. Yeah, it was. It was good. A double-headed lizard. He eats it. Yeah, that was cool, man. Yep. From that point, I was like, man, this is great. And I spilled pizza on my shirt. It nice. was awesome. I was wondering what that stain on your shirt was. I was like, did you just show up here like that? <laughs> I spilled pizza mid, like beginning of the movie. Like, If it were the middle of the movie, I'd be like, all right, this is fine. Yeah. No. Had to be the beginning. Um, so there was a child that basically the flashback saved Max's life. I will go as far as to say that. Because when he catches the arrow from the crossbow that is shot, he puts his hand up because of the little girl that he's seeing. Mm. He put his hand up, and the the arrow went to through his hand uh-huh. and into his and, head. And into his head. Had he not done that, he would just go straight into his head. He'd be dead. Yeah. And uh, I, I was like, man, this is cool. And I really enjoyed it. But I just don't get that daughter part. Yeah. Yeah, I was reading that online too. I was confused about who that little girl was as well. I kind of, I don't know why. The thing is, she dies in the exact same way that the son dies. She got ran over. Yeah. Um, So yeah, I I don't know what's going on with with that. But at the same time, I kind of don't care because the action is so good. Right. I I think if, if you just go see this movie, you're like, oh, he lost somebody. Which I think is what Miller was going for. Yeah. I think... He want people are going to recognize him for the first three, right? But I think he's like here, here's a new movie. He didn't call it Mad Max Four. Yeah. He didn't call it Mad Max One. He just called it Mad Max Fury Road. Fury Road. Here you go. Enjoy. Yeah. I did. Yeah, and so this movie is basically three car chases, like I said, and they're all spaced out, and and uh, I mean each one is completely different than the last one, and the the action is unlike anything I've seen before. Uh, one of the things we talked about is George Miller went through and painstakingly went shot by shot through the entire movie and played with the frame rate. Most of the movie doesn't run at twenty four frames a second, which is normal frame. Which is normal right. frame rate. Okay, and that's what I was going to ask you yesterday. Yeah, he kind of he didn't really undercrank it. Um, because that makes it look like it's sped up, but he slowed down the frame rate mm. so that you could make sense of what's going on because there's so much going on in every single frame of this movie that's overwhelming to a lot of people. And uh, on that point, I got text messages from friend and former guest, Mike Moray, and he goes, he, he went to see it with friend and former guest, Matthew Moray, Huh. And he says, uh, Matthew and I couldn't even articulate what the hell we just watched for most of the car ride. And I said, three car chases with less explosions in between them. And he goes, that'll do, MJ, that'll do. So I asked him if he had seen any of the others. And he said, Road Warrior and parts of the first one. And it's been a long time since he's seen Road Warrior. And I said, I think watching the original three so recently helped me accept the craziness of this one. 
And it's funny because it took all three for me to accept this one because the entirety of my experience with those first three was me just being like, what the F? And then when this one rolled around, I was like, all right, this is fine. I said what I think helps, which we touched on earlier, is that each movie shows more and more the degradation of the world as the nuclear fallout takes over. And I came to the realization that even though Max isn't in this movie a lot... It's pretty much Furiosa's story, but everything we're supposed to watch, and I want to go back and rewatch it this way, everything we're supposed to witness is through Max's eyes. And they do this really interesting thing with the sound design, which illustrates that you should be watching it as though you are Max. And that is any time an explosion or a gunshot goes off near Max's head, the ears, his ears start ringing and you put it in the sound mix. Right. He shoots three shots around Furiosa's head, and you don't hear that same ringing. So it was a very intentional choice to put ringing near Max's ears and not ringing near Furiosa's ears. So we need to be watching this movie through the lens of Max, witnessing Mm. all this going on. So a lot of people are like, well, why is it called Mad Max? He's barely in it. It should be called just like Furiosa. And Max Max could not be a character in this movie, and it wouldn't affect it one bit. But my argument is... Everything we're watching needs to be colored by the fact that we're not the audience. We're Max. Cool. Um, I want to watch it again now. Yeah. And and do that. Yeah. So, I mean, there's, there's just these little things that make this world feel gigantic in this movie. And, like, there's not a lot of narrative to it, but there's a lot of detail that's worth watching for. And, I don't know, it's just great. It's, it's, I can't see a movie this summer being better than this. I gotta go out on a limb here and say that I predicted this. I knew this movie was gonna be incredible, and you're like, I don't know, there's a couple big blockbusters coming out this summer. I was like, oh, maybe you're right. So I kind of retracted my statement, but... Yep. I wonder how it's doing at the box office. I'm not too sure. Um, the The rating on IMDb went down, but I think that's just because... Right, I'm just wondering how much money it's making. Like, people are going out to see it, or if they're not, or what. I don't know. I thought it was a cool movie. I really, really, genuinely enjoyed it. And yeah. I thought Charlize Theron killed it. She was so good. Oh my gosh. Dude, like her. I don't like her that much, and she was amazing in this movie. Me neither. Like the emotion that she just displayed through like her face and her eyes mm-hmm. it was just so real. And I was like, dang. It, yeah. it was cool, man. Yeah. I, I really, really enjoyed it. And there's a couple flaws here and there. Yeah. The ADR is out of control in this movie. It is unexcusably terrible what does adr stand adr is i believe it stands for advanced dialogue replacement which is they go in they the mic didn't pick up their lines while they were filming because it was too windy something got in front of the mic because of the roaring of the va engine yeah (laughs) it, it, it was too noisy on set for them to pick up the dialogue through the normal mics they have on set so they bring the actors in have them re-record their lines and try to match it up with their mouths and they failed miserably at that in this entire movie Almost every single one of Tom Hardy's lines as Max is ADR'd, and it's ADR'd so poorly that n- almost none of it matches up with his mouth, and it's freaking ridiculous. I just don't under... I mean, it's like, if you watch any of the older James Bond movies, they have that. But those movies came out in the 60s and 70s. There's no excuse for a movie in 2015 to have that. They were shot in 2012, okay? <laughs> I mean, I guess. And then <laughs> there's one scene where Charlize Theron completely drops her American accent. Right. And just uses her uh, South African accent. It's only one line, but I'm a, I hate that. I hate that so much when an actor can't 
stay in their accent. Like in the Avengers? Just saying. Who? Scarlet Witch. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Real bad. Um, Sam Worthington is the worst at it. The guy from Avatar? Yeah. I hate that guy, because he can't say it on an accent to save his freaking life. Anyway, so it didn't bother me all that much, because it was only one line that I noticed it in, but man, it... It, I mean, she just completely let it go. But other than that, I mean, those are pretty small nitpicks for, a, I mean, an incredible movie. And on a technical aspect, I can't believe they got away with some of the stuff they got away yeah. with. I was reading that some of the, um, a lot of the, the stunt performers were Olympic athletes and like Cirque du Soleil performers. Really? Yeah, which makes a ton of sense. I can see that. Yeah. I could absolutely see that. Man, there's this one stunt where Max is hanging off a car and then he just like does a front flip and lands on the on the right. grill of another Doesn't vehicle. Doesn't Nux throws him or something. Oh, is that he, what happens? Yeah, Nux okay. throws him. He, he I miss grabs that. him and then he throws him and he does the flip and he lands on that big It was friggin' badass. It was, cool. it was so cool. Yeah, I like how like the they were, they were using like the fulcrum poles like that yeah. were held on by they were like counterbalanced by the engines. Yeah. That was crazy. Yeah, man. Those... There's just so much good action and technical aspects in this movie. I think we could go on for a lot more time about how good it is, but it would sound redundant. So that's the Mad Max trilogy and Fury Road, and it was a, wa- a ride, to say the least. Um, what a day. What a lovely day. <laughs> so what, what do you think as a whole of the franchise of Mad Max? I think it was very spotty. Yeah. Um, I don't think that it should have been a franchise. I'll, I'll just say that straight out. Um, I think that if he could go back and do any of the movies, he should just release Road Warrior, but just kind of clean it up. If they were going to do a remake of a movie, which I imagine they will, 10, 20 years from now, mm. they're going to do a, another Mad Max something, because yeah. they always do that. Yeah. Hollywood, thank you. Um, they, uh, they should do, uh, The Road Warrior, yeah. I think. Um, yeah, I think an update of Road Warrior would be cool. Absolutely. Um, I think it was it, it it I don't know if this is the end of the trilogy or of the series. My understanding is that Tom Hardy signed on for two or three more movies. No way. Okay. Well, that's cool. Because I was gonna say if this were the ending, it ended on a pretty good note. Yeah. I kind of don't want a sequel to this, to be honest, because I can't imagine anything that could top this, and I'm a little scared. Right. If they do. Right. <laughs> um. Yeah. It's just such. I mean, it's one of the best action movies I've seen in probably a decade. Yeah. It was cool, man. It was really good. Way cool. So before we sign off, I have this thing that I'm going to start doing, and you're the first person that I'm going to start this with. I'm going to ask them a question uh, kind of related to the movie. Kind of. It's related, I guess, thematically to the movie. So my question is, what are your... Give me one of each. So I need... Your favorite song, this is in honor of, in honor of Electric Guitar Flamethrower Man. What is your favorite song to drive to in the daytime and your favorite song to drive to at nighttime? Okay. I gotta say my favorite song to drive to during the nighttime would have to be Night Call by Night Fox. It was in the Kavinsky movie. and Love Fox. Yep, Kavinsky and Love Fox. And I know that because you stole my answer. I did? Yeah. Oh, great. I love that song. It's so good. The movie Drive, the music to that was so awesome. 
I'm I have mixed feelings about that movie, but right. The, I said the music. Yeah, I said the man, movie. that soundtrack is so good. Oh, dude, it was awesome. Yep. And uh, I think during the day, it's got to be something electronica with like a cool beat. Probably like right now, I just revisited Black Eyed Peas' The End album. Okay. Specifically because of your 2008-3008 dilemma that you're having. Um, <laughs> and uh, I enjoy that album. There are a lot of songs in there that I really like a lot. And okay. there are some songs that I really think I could just drive to all day. But um, that's that's a hard question. I don't know. Uh, probably some... If I had to just drive and listen to that, I, it would probably be like something like that. Yeah. Okay. Something, something like the Black Eyed Peas. There's a song called uh, uh, "Missing You," and uh, it's just cool. It has like cool like uh, what are they called? Saw synthesizers, and they just oh, okay. sound cool. It just sounds cool, and it's fun. Yeah, that's cool. Um, yeah, you totally stole my. I really wasn't expecting you to answer with that. Um, that yeah. is, if you want to feel like the biggest boss on the face of the planet when you're driving at night. Even if you drive with two hands on the steering wheel, right. every time you drive, you slouch down and you grab it right in the middle with one hand and you want a toothpick in your mouth. Absolutely. That is, man, I love that song. I love driving a night to that song. That song is great. Yeah. And then I think uh, my daytime driver is, I really like, I really like listening to angry rap music. Angry Very, rap music? Yeah, like... There's this Childish Gambino song called Bonfire. I know really this like, song. I really like listening to that. Have you heard how fast Eminem can rap now? Yeah. Rap God? Rap no. God? Speedum. Oh, no, I haven't. With Tech 9 Whoa! Insane. Um, rap God is another go-to for me during oh, the day. That song, that song is awesome. That song it is talks, so he good. brings up like Thor. Odin. Odin. The Walking, Walking Dead, Dead. Superman. Other things. Yeah. Man. Um... Yeah, Rap God's another one. The first three songs on Straight Outta Compton. Just angry hip-hop is what I like to listen to in the daytime when I'm driving around. Interesting. Yep. I don't know why. but Very interesting. Cool. Um, I really like that feature, and I think I'm going to start doing it more. That's um, fun. All right. Well, thank you for being here. Um, do you have anything, any closing thoughts? No. Okay. There you go. Just, it was a cool, this was, this was a fun ride, and yeah. I'm, I, I'm very thankful for this. This is super cool. Yeah, it's it's been fun, man. Um, I guess I could say that off mic. Like, thank you for being part of the biggest show yet, uh, the most intimidating and ambitious show. So yeah, that's it. Uh, if you like the show, please like, subscribe, comment, share with other people. Uh, SoundCloud.com, uh, you can find the link. Follow me on Twitter at before and after pod. That's at before the letter N after pod. Email the show, beforeandaftershow at gmail.com. I'm interested to hear what you guys have to think about Fury Road. Uh, I feel like it's kind of a polarizing movie because you either got to get on board with it or be weirded out the whole time. And uh, I want to know the percentage of you that are on board or weirded out. Um, So let me know at that email address and I will read it on the show. Once again, uh, go watch something. Thank you for being here. Yay. Yay.